0: Hi everyone, my name is Talia Smith and I'm the Curator of the 2020 Churchy Emerging Art Prize. This evening I have with me Sydney-based artist Tom Black. Hi, Tom. Hey Talia. Uh, to start, I was wondering if you could please talk us through the work that you have created for the Churchy.
1: Yeah, sure. So, there's three pieces in the Churchy that are all related um, to each other. There are two desilvered mirrors and one cyanotype and the DC of Mirrors were part of a series of three works. I've included two of those panels and normally they would be presented as a a triptych, so the three pieces all together, Um, but decided that we would put the two um, in the show and have them separate from each other. And they take on quite a different meaning when they're separated. So one is a hand, like a sort of fragmented hand gesture and the other is like a looping line and the way that these are made, maybe is we, can, we can start with that is, I take a mirror and I paint the back and I use etching tools to draw, draw into the back and I build like a kind of artist made frame light box around that and the panel sits on, on the front and these uh, lines of light float inside of the mirror panel. So one of the considerations with these works where they've gone in is to try and avoid having too much, too many like people catching their own face in the reflection. So one of the works, the one that's titled Floating Line, is really high up near the ceiling, and the idea there was to try and kind of capture the architecture of the space within the mirror, and have this this, and I guess the energy of that loop as well. It's kind of looping up and away, and then the other hand gesture is like right in at the corner of, of the walls, so you kind of you need to take yourself right up against that wall, in order to really view that especially if, if you wanted to kind of view it front-on and I quite like that both of these works move the body through the space. So it's something I was thinking about. Um, the third work is a sanotype and it is on the adjacent wall. Adjacent's the right word right? I just lost it for a second.
0: <laughs> I also don't even know like I'm just like yes.
1: On the, I- on the wall that is at 90 degrees to the <laughs> other works and it's right in the middle and I was a little bit, to be honest, I was a bit kind of scared without going into the space. Being in the space is so important for me. Um, and I'm so important for most artists. I think it's probably a pretty obvious thing, but um, just spending time in a space. I, this is the first time I haven't done that. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about that space and having images of it. And having just that work on that wall was a bit scary, but it felt right. and. I I didn't really want that to be this and maybe this is something we can talk about a little bit more later. I'm sure there'll be some things that come up, but for me, it wasn't about making this bold minimal gesture. It was about leaving that space open for that object to float in that space. Mm. Um, And that's kind of part of that work. The one that is in the middle of that wall, it's another hand gesture. And there is a line and the line is quite taut towards the top. Yeah. of the work like it's holding it between its fingers this line it's like a drawn line maybe it's a piece of um i don't know wire or a string and then it's looped around the little finger and for me that's the more important part is that there's this tension at the top of the work but then down the bottom there is this really delicate loop of this thread around the little finger and the delicacy of that and the gesture of that Is is really what that work is about and how it floats it's kind of it's it's a very temporary moment that hand will be moving we know that there's something happening but it's frozen and there is this frame and there is the the weight. even though the thread is so light we assume it seems light in this image in this piece in the sanotype it does have enough of a weight to create that kind of loop over the little finger and then and then back down again
0: yeah Oh, you have a very beautiful way of explaining it, um, of your work. Uh, Speaking of the, like, lines and how you create those, I know, I mean, I called them metal drawings before, because that's how I kind of think of them, as you know, you're drawing with wire slash metal when you're doing that, and then you transfer them, um, at least the cyanotype ones, into a cyanotype, which is traditionally, you know, a photographic material. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was kind of interested in about... um, what draws you to use cyanotypes when you have something you know mostly cyanotypes as I said are photographic so they're usually image based whereas you create the image with a drawing rather than a photographic image so I'm interested to why you use cyanotypes Mm. yeah
1: yeah so for me like cyanotypes are often used in quite a like as you say they're they're generally used as a photographic medium, and there's there's generally a negative that is used, or someone creates a photogram, an impression of a, of an object, um, and often there's this, there's a there's a real like ethereal nature to the works, and there's like a shadow effect. Mm. For me, I wanted to almost work against the medium a little bit in that way, and what drew me to the cyanotypes is that it allowed me to convert these. So I'm drawing all of the time. The drawings is where like the works originally, they come out of drawing, they're translated into these fragments of wire, um, which I then fragment further and use to create the sanotype. And the sanotype becomes the ground. It's, it's the ground on which these lines can float. You know, I want them to be quite a kind of, that there's this kind of ambiguous depth to the ground. And I felt that the cyanotype just happened both in its color and its tone. It took me a while to get it to, to work in that way because it tends towards it wants to have all of these shadows and these mm. kind of ethereal areas. I wanted it to be quite flat but ambiguous in its depth. Yeah. And once I figured out I could do that, then it just became a container for these drawings. It's a as other disilvered mirrors, like mm. there there is certain limitation, like a kind of they've become a constructive limitation, which is something I think about a lot in my practice. Um, And I know we had that conversation a while ago and we were chatting about Agnes Varda and the film Mm -hmm. Daguerreotypes. Interesting, weird connection that that is another type of, you know, Daguerreotypes are, uh, there's a photographic reference there too, which is just a coincidence because that film is about a street called Daguerre. Mm. And we were chatting about the idea that in that film, Agnes, sorry, I was waiting for the plane to go over.
0: Yeah, I can hear it here also. (laughs)
1: So um yeah, we were chatting about that film DeGueritas, which is about the street where Agnes Varda lived, Degar Um and I really loved that's like an amazing film, but one of the things I really loved about it was that she would only go as far, and we were chatting about this as far as her power cable would take her, which I think was around like 90 meters. Yeah. She could only interview shopkeepers that were within that distance. And I loved I loved that. Also it makes me think of like Betty Woodman, the ceramicist and painter. She will only use pieces of clay that she can lift into the kiln herself yeah and you know that has shifted and changed over her life and so she lifts you know in the last later part of her life she would lift smaller pieces of clay into the kiln and it changed her practice she still created huge works but would just create them in smaller pieces Mm. and I think part of the attraction for me of the mediums that I use is that they can um they're constraints like they're generative constraints for me that I can then create my work so they're not so much it's not about necessarily formalist practice, like it's not driven essentially by form but it does become a big part of it Yeah, because one one of those mediums yeah becomes like the form in which I'm expressing those ideas you know you go deep into them don't you you spend a lot of time with them you become very like intimate with those
0: those yeah I think also in terms of your work the mirrors and cyanotypes work in a way that they are both um, temporal things, or at least uh, speak to the ideas of temporality, you know, because of photography and mirrors, because it's a moving, you know, you're, you're never just like trapped inside the mirror, you're always moving in and out of seeing yourself through it. So I think that that um, also actually speaks really nice to these ideas you're talking about of these like, moments that you sort of try to capture, but it's almost impossible to capture a moment, right? Mm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it is even in, um, you know, as you know, I do photography and I still know that it is impossible to catch a moment. <laughs> like it passes yeah. as soon as you take a photograph. So yeah. I think yeah. that yeah. it's um, actually quite smart in the, the mediums that you do employ because of that fact, that they do speak to this idea of temporality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which
1: I like very Draw that out of it, yeah. Yeah. It feels, hearing you describe it that way feels right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Whew, <no. laughs> anyway, it's like it's i've never quite i've never quite sort of thought of especially the mirrors in that way of like the the glimpse and the glance yeah but i suppose there's something quite nice there about the way that
0: like,
1: like the hands and the gestures that there, there is a fleeting moment hmm. that, and sometimes it stays in my mind and and i guess that is a bit like the mirror you're sort of you're working with that as well as against it because you're putting this line that does sit and stay in place mm. in that mirror for that time.
0: But I do think it does also kind of disappear sometimes on certain angles, those lines, true. which is also really beautiful. You know, like, um, yeah, if you see, you view sometimes the mirror works from certain angles or when you place it higher or lower, like you see more or less of it. And I like that cause it's affected obviously by what else is reflected in the actual surface. true. Yeah. Yeah. I do really like that about it um speaking of capturing moments i think it could be quite good to talk about your moving image works Mm -hmm. because that is very much about capturing really small moments and then you you know often they're presented um side by side uh whether it's projection or on a device of some sort um and they're playing usually looped but they fall out of sync so you know one one is always behind the other and they're always trying to catch each other in this like weird race, which I I really like about them, but I also kind of think with them that there is, I guess, like, it's the constraints, like you're talking about this idea of constraints and the constraints of the medium and, like, you're just using what you have at your disposal, right? Like, you have either these devices or you have a projector or something like that. I'm not saying you can't figure out the skills to get them to loop at the same time, but... <laughs> That that that's not important you know that's not the thing to you like it's not to get them sinking and doing this perfect thing because like moments aren't perfect and life isn't perfect and we can't predict how things are going to work out and even as an artist in the mediums we use, we can't even predict how it's always going to work so in this incredibly long-winded way that I'm saying, uh, yeah. I think that they're It's definitely similarities between the moving image works and your still works in that way of working with constraints of a medium or capturing a moment or a space or, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, like uh, what what you're saying resonates with me and it's really lovely to hear that that the works um, give you that feeling. Maybe yeah. One one thing that comes to mind is one of the earlier moving image works I did with the small screens, and these are kind of like small phone screens. Was a work at Fremantle Arts Centre, and I think there might have been eight eight screens, and they all had a s- small looping video, a different looping video, um, and they were like often sort of transitionary spaces, and some involved kind of. Like sh- sh- this, this sun moving. A couple involved. The moment that the plane comes between the sun and our bedroom mm-hmm. and casts a shadow across the sheets, and they were just put on loop. And so all of these these videos were looping on these screens. But these, in this situation, sort of, they were inside this. Um, like you kind of entered into through this fabric, and you stood inside this this space that was created. Almost like it was meant to be. Almost like you entered into a column, like a column of space, but inside this fabric, which was really high ceiling. And you'd go in there and these videos were looping because they weren't plugged in, they would eventually run out of batteries and they would die. And throughout the day, every day, they would die. They would sort of run out of battery in different times, Mm. and different order. And right towards the end of the day, there was just one video that kept looping because I obtained these phones from different places. They had a different, like they were all secondhand. Mm. I guess the battery life and also the video that was playing on them used a different amount of battery. But it wasn't about that for me. It was just this idea that, the one that ended, like the one that was just going at the end, had such a different um, like kind of feeling to it than when all eight were looping at the same time. It was quite frenetic. And then this one last video, which was actually a plane just going past with its flashing lights going past the full moon. And yeah. so it was really, it was almost slight, slightly abstract, it was just this orb of light and then the, the kind of safety lights of the plane just flashing as it went past and all of the other screens would be black at this point. So it almost looked like they were part of the same screen.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Um, So that, yeah, that was kind of one. And I really liked the way that they all interacted with each other in this space. And I started pairing them side by side um, a while ago. And that, I can't exactly remember when, but for me that was about taking something that was a loop, it was repeating, but then opening that right up you know, having it like the same thing repeating, but they're constantly meeting each other at different points and creating something slightly different. So, yeah, putting the the videos side by side, the screen side by side, having the same video and looping, I really liked how they they meet each other in different moments and then every now and then they come into sync and then they fall out of sync again.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Even just the, they just refresh at a different rate. And I really like that, that the devices, even though they're identical, they're different. And Mm. for me, again, it's not about that, it's just, it, then it becomes another container. these devices, these screens are just another container for that 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 moment in time that repeated gesture mm. and allowing someone to come and spend time with that and yeah bring some because the moment is quite short again it leaves a lot of space for the viewer to come in and, yeah. and bring themselves to that work
0: yeah, I think um, appearing them as well I mean I you know obviously this is my reading of it, but like, pairing the two videos is specifically, like, uh, the ones that I saw at um, NOLP uh, here in Sydney. Um, you know, when the, the lights went down and you had the projector going. Um, you had two videos then, right? Yes, we yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. And uh, something about pairing them, there's also something, like, kind of romantic about it. Like, you can't help but think of two people, mm. like, oh, I can't, two people, it's a pair. you know, we're, we're always used, that's what we're growing up thinking, mm. right, as you know, two is mm. a couple, as a pair, whatever, yep, and yep. Um, I really like, for me, that it speaks to, you know, the, the falling in, the catching up, the trying to chase one or the other, the video that's, they're never really fully in sync, mm. I feel like that speaks to a lot of experiences of how we deal with each other or these liminal in-between weird spaces that we have in relationships or whether that's, you know, interpersonal, like just friends or it's relationships or whatever, uh, bosses, life, work, everything, you know, I think we're always behind and in front of everything in our lives. And it's like a really weird ass poetic thing to say, but I think that, um, I don't know, there's something just with pairing them that, and I didn't see the work at Fremantle obviously, I've only seen them as peers, mm-hmm. but it, I don't know, it adds to that real, like, kind of sweet, and I don't mean sweet in a saccharine way, I mean sweet in a genuine, lovely mm-hmm. way, um, mm-hmm. kind of subtlety to your work, and that it can be interpreted in so many different ways. Anyway. Mm me mm-hmm. long rambling and complimenting your work. Um, <laughs> God, it's rambling on. But I, the reason why I talk about that is because when I say this like space between people, mm-hmm. lives, works, objects, you know, um, and the experience of that, that's something that I feel is super important to your work also in terms of the installs, you know, we have briefly touched on that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that using NOLP again as an example, you had the mirror works, which two of them are the ones from NOLP that are in, no, are right. in the um, IMA show. And, you know, they were in, like, a, essentially, like, a cupboard above a window, those ones. You know, sure, it was a darker space, but um, they were there. And then you also had cyanotypes. There was one on a wall as well, you know, and then two on another wall. Yeah, and then that on the changed. Oh, on the ground, that's right. And then that changed when the sun set and you removed them and you started putting this projection. And I just feel that the experience of space, not just how we experience moments, but also the way that we experience physically space is really important to you. And I wondered if you had any thoughts or could sort of expand on on why it is or how, you know, you spoke about saying that when you have the mirror higher um, at the, in the IMA that you think about things in terms of you just don't want you want to reflect the architecture. You don't necessarily want people to have just their reflections in it, you know? So you are thinking of how people will experience work and space. Mm. It's obviously something that you're like aware of, but I'm just wondering if you have any more thoughts about what you you know, thoughts about what you think. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, So yeah, the space is incredibly important. It really is. And spending that time in there and then having that, this, I would say, yes, so the work would be, I, I suppose, like be more site responsive than site specific, but very responsive and very, like, I don't often know exactly how the show is coming together until I'm really coming into the install. And like Nop is a good example because the nature of that space is there is like, it's very open to the street. So there's this big kind of plate glass windows and there's a couple of steps and then you can see through the front door as well. And so I was very much thinking of that show as about what can you already see from the street? Because a lot of people, especially in this time, will be experiencing that show through the window. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I almost want to create one show that is what you would see through the window. Mm -hmm. And, And part of that is positioning because the street goes down, it's a little bit lower than the floor inside the gallery. So those two videos you were talking about before the pair, they were positioned at a height that was like a sort of, roughly standard height from outside through the plate glass window into the space. And the same with the cyanotype that was on the ground. Um, and then there was also this work, a couple of works on the, on the seal itself. So there's thinking about that space as from outside, but then there's also this wall. And behind that, there's a very small kitchenette, which is you know, for the people who are minding the gallery to use. There's a, bit of, there's a few things stored back there. And I really thought, okay, well, like you, you're never gonna see that space from outside. So I, I definitely wanted to use that. I really like using those, those spaces anyway, but that kind of became the other show, the other part of the show. And then the mirrors that you're talking about up the top inside that cupboard. So there's this, in Norp you go in and there's a lower ceiling, maybe two and a half metres. And then once you go right in, the ceiling goes up to about four metres. And when you turn back to the street, there's a panel. It just looks like a panel that comes down from the ceiling to come down to the lower level but behind that is a void. It's empty. There's a kind of cupboard space. So I removed the panel and I put the mirrors right in the back against the wall in that space. Um, And part of that was that they could only be viewed once you were inside and you turned back and you looked up. And also that is where all of the old posters. So they create a new poster for every show and all of the old posters are they're rolled up and they are stored up there. And I really like that. I love where those archival residues lie within Mm -hmm. a space, because often in the white cube, we deny, you know, anything that's gone before is just cleared out, painted over, touched up, and then it's a fresh for the next, Mm -hmm. which, you know, that's a big part of these galleries. Um, and there's all these little bits that get left behind and often they're hidden away in these spaces. So I quite liked by putting the mirror works up there as well it gave you these new angles into that space you could see them reflected mm. in the work and similar to the ima putting it right up the top near the ceiling the architecture the space becomes part of the work mm. and there's a there's a yeah there's a mixing of them they come together in that space they're combining yeah. and i really like i really like that yeah
0: and also speaking of like i guess odd spaces you know or spaces that we don't Generally, consider art galleries or places where you should have art, or you know, etc. etc. You know, first draft was another great example for you of of when you then installed um, works in the bathroom, which um, was something that I hadn't seen there before. I mean, not to say that it hadn't happened before, but I mean, you know, that was another great example of using those different spaces and also bringing attention to those spaces. I mean, I didn't even know they had a shower in first draft also, because yeah. you use not just the toilet part, but the back bit behind mm. the toilets that I didn't even know existed, because obviously I had used the toilets before there. Um, I like that it's like a... There's like an element of concealing and revealing in your work, I think. Mm. Mm. Um, and not necessarily in a way that you're trying to be like... Uh, what should I, what, how, should I, how am I trying to put this? Not in a way that you're trying to be cheeky or anything, if you know what I mean, like just in a way that like these other spaces exist or these other ways of viewing things or experiencing things exist and it doesn't always need to be in this finite, you know, this beautiful crisp space all the time because there are other parts of life. There are other moments that we should see as well. Yeah and that
1: it can slip outside of that formal space into the others and there can be that slippage between them. I really like that. It's a very, like, generative space for me, that not just, like, one bit there and one bit there, but, like, the threshold and the way that they move in between. And so with that bathroom and first draft, there were a few things that drew me to it. And one was that the archive for that Ari, which has been that space, which has been going for many years, I think getting up to 30 years now, maybe more, um, was being stored in that shower area in these big kind of containers. You know, it was all safe and it was waterproof and everything like that. But you know, it was floor to ceiling, so you couldn't even see the showers existed. And I quite like the idea that you could take that out. And then what the showers represent is this stream of water, this flow of water, and the stream, that idea of this water flowing, potentially in a loop, is something. Yeah, I guess in a loop in the sense that, you know, there's that old thing of like stepping into the stream, that like the stream kind of constantly looks the same, even though it's constantly changing, mm. uh, which is yeah, a bit cliche and it's kind of very well known. But I think that that idea of that movement of water is something that yeah resonates with me and, and resonates across those works, whether it's the looping videos, um, or whether it's the taps or the mirrors, there's this kind of repetition of gestures and this, this flow of meaning between them and some parts quite like the idea that you talked about the concealing and revealing because it's sort of some parts that are taken away and some parts that are added. Um, it makes me think also of these composed mobiles of these pieces of wire that most are kind of kept held in place. So with the composed mobiles, some of the pieces of wire are held in, in, in place and others are left to move. So there's this almost, there's just enough there to, to, to get the meaning of the image but they're slipping in and out when when some of those pieces move and i quite like that the reason they move is that bodies are in the space and disturbing the air
0: yeah and
1: they're having again that interaction it's not a physical Well, i mean it's physical in the sense that there's physical molecules moving around but it's not like a physical touch necessarily but there's that yeah there's that interaction between the people in the space the bodies in the space and the works um that can yeah that can happen there mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think it'd be nice to end sort of on this idea of gesture that appears in your work and uh, especially hand gestures in in the work um, in particular at the IMA. Um, You know, this year, as I mentioned to you before, is such a strange year and like touch and hands are something that are very off limits um, for us this year. And so I I can't help but think of that when I... um, see the hands in your work now like it's it's funny that we get this new connotation with it but i really wanted to hear you sort of speak about the importance of gesture and hands for you and in your work
1: Mm. um so it's it's one of the the places in which we come into contact i suppose with the world and and as artists many of us are using our hands constantly you know we rely so much on them and the way especially if you're drawing or painting um you know you're using well any like you know you we're using our hands in, in most f- forms of art making in some way mm. and we we're often using them to create gestures whether that's through some other means even whether it's through a you know a keyboard or whether it's through a, a pen um, and so there's this potential in in that and i quite like so the works that are in the ima Two, two of them are part of this triptych and the triptych itself is, is two hands They don't necessarily appear that they're from the same person, but there are two ends of this line and the line loops. And again, there's a, there's a level of tension, but it's quite a loose line, but there's this idea that if it's pulled, I re, someone actually looked at the work and said to me like that loop is one of those loops where like you pull it, it disappears. Like it's not going to become a knot. It just becomes a line.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so this idea of the gesture holds the potential of that moment and that that actual, like, the, the line, the gesture of the line, but also the gesture of the hand can both come together. Mm-hmm. And it can be, again, it's like kind of, it can be a fleeting
0: uh,
1: gesture in that.
0: Yeah. Aspect. They are also hands, you know, used for communication. Like, we obviously mm-hmm. use them quite a lot in communication, not just for people hard of hearing, but I also just mean, you know, like... I often gesticulate a lot with my hands when I speak. Mm. Um, we point at things, all of that kind of stuff. So I guess like that is right. It is something that we rely on an insane amount, like mm. and uh, how we connect, I guess, a lot to the world, whether it's physically or um, yeah, emotionally through well, through our hands. Through my little chubby hands, they um, just look really funny <laughs> <laughs> the way I put them up. <laughs> it's very weird. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add about your work at all?
1: Or um, yeah, just just on that last part, someone mentioned it was—it's almost like there's a collective consciousness, a collective uh, memory within these some of these gestures, and I I thought that was, you know, often like you're making these works, they come from this place, and then you know through conversations like this that sometimes you you gain greater clarity of of your own practice. Obviously, like I'm very intimately familiar with it, all but Still, sometimes. When you see the the links, the connections that are being made, and I really love thinking about those connections as these floating lines. Yeah. They can be, like, on this unsteady surface, but they can kind of go slack, and they can become um, taught from one point to the next. Um, But, yeah, in terms of anything else, something that I've been thinking about a lot lately (laughs) that... um, I think it was Philip Philip DeBardo was talking about is this idea of um, drawing, and I suppose creating these these sort of wire sculptural works, these wire drawings. Um, is this idea of the imperfect nature of remembering and the imperfect nature of drawing that drawing from recollection and drawing like a repeated gesture, drawing from memory, like it's it's never what it actually was, but there's something so like, great in the way it slips and changes from the original, like, memory and what you've viewed, what you've seen and what you recall and what you actually end up.
0: Yeah, drawing and photography has that in common then. You know, like, quite often, um, I was talking about this with Georgia before, that we,
1: you know, photography always
0: has that really complicated history with memory and that Mm. was the moment, is the moment we've captured real. Real in that sense that, you, it's a moment how do you capture that you know like it, it, you're, you're just physically capturing that in the image and we remember things differently and it's it's like there's a lot of nice similarities of what that person is saying with um drawing to photography that's quite interesting mm. i gonna look further into that oh what was the other thing about mirrors you were going to say and i said save it for the talk
1: oh yeah <laughs> so, yeah something i've realized recently is like with uh, so with the mirrors. You draw this image in there, um, but, and then sometimes, I'm often translating between mediums. So one work, the same composition will appear within a, like a de Silva mirror, and then it will also appear within one of these, kind of, again, what you refer to as the metal drawings, the, the kind of wire drawings. I, I've I've been calling these works silt because I really like the idea that they're these compositions, these fragments that have settled. They're yeah, sort of settled in it. the stream, like they're settled on the bottom mm-hmm. um, and that they've, Like so, they've often settled on a surface, like on the sill, and they've created this meaning. But it's so precarious because they're sitting there and they're so vulnerable to disturbance. They're not fixed, Mm -hmm. so they could just be knocked, and the meaning could be lost. A piece could be thrown, could move away, could be, could yeah, um, could be destroyed. Um, And I realised that because these are made from this very thin wire, you can really flip them. You can put them either way. They're a mirror image of themselves. Like Mm -hmm. they they contain both the image and the mirror image in them. Yeah. They're like, they're, you'd have no idea. Like, I'd have no idea which one is the one. Like If I make one of those, like it's as much the image as it is the mirror image, yeah. there's no right way up because it's just these very thin pieces of wire. You can put the whole composition the other way around and it oh, becomes the yeah. mirror image. So I also like that it just delays having to make that decision of like, do I want it to be this way or that way? I can make the work and then it could just be whichever way makes sense um, once it's in the show.
0: Yeah, I never thought
1: about that. And leaving that looseness is something I love. I love like, you know, in, in, in a gallery space, the bit that you have to kind of lock down, you know, there's always the space here to get the floor sheet right, you're going to name the works and then there can be this other space that's sort of just off to the side and you can leave that, I really like personally to leave that a bit open and not necessarily have all of the works named. It's not always 100% clear whether they're within the show um, and it can just, it can leave, Um, space for the for the show to change a little bit as well Mm.
0: yeah Yeah, i really like that and you know we spoke about when i came and visited the nolp show um about changing uh shows and that they don't necessarily have to be fixed Mm. and you know you were proving that with you taking off works and then having a projector at a certain time of the day with your video works um i really liked that because we do get really stuck in, you know, this way of working and this way of, um, yeah, we've got like a room sheet and mm. it's in this space and the space yeah. is white and there's no other traces of other shows and like all of this kind of stuff. And yeah. I really liked when you spoke about that because I just had never thought about that, honestly. Mm. Like we never, they never give us that kind of looseness of thinking at mm. art school. It is always like final product, tied in a bow, throw it away kind of thing. Yeah,
1: that's true. But yeah, there've been some wonderful shows that leave that looseness. And I find that very inspiring. That can be that it doesn't have to be fixed. And I quite like when little things just open up a possibility. I was like, oh, I live close. Like that opens up the opportunity for me to make this change like daily. So I would meet the person who was looking after the space at five o'clock and take over, like take the key. Um, and then I would yeah take one of the works off the and put the projector up and it would just go for one hour from five until six mm-hmm. this this work um, on that wall and it was a really it's just it brought something it helped a little bit with the post show blues you know after a show you put it up and you have that strange feeling of emptiness mm-hmm. well at least I think I do and a lot of <laughs> a lot of people feel that way yes. um, so in that it was like a nice Kind of, yeah way of continuing to have that relationship with the show and going and going down there regularly and mm. and just sitting sitting with it for a little bit each night that it was on.
0: Yeah no, it was really it was it was very beautiful, a very beautiful way to um, experience the show post like heading into dusky evening. Mm. It was mm. nice to have that consideration There's normally you know once the gallery's closed, we just, that's it, like, lights go off, and so it was nice for it to kind of have a little bit of a life outside mm-hmm. of that. I really liked that. Yeah, um, a yeah. Thank you for chatting with me this evening. Um, I'm going to stop the recording now. It's such a pleasure. Thank you, Talia.